Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hi, everybody. We're the Homegirls, and we are so excited to have the one and only Jason Abrams here with us. I am so excited for this. I've heard Jason speak a few times in person, and he's absolutely amazing. They call him the Jerry Maguire of real estate. No, he's shaking his head. It's only my mother in the New York Times that calls me that. That's it. It's just those two. (laughs) Well, I like it. I actually have always said that you remind me of Tobey Maguire, like in his Spider-Man days. I get that. And, and the, the Jerry Maguire thing was weird. I, I hosted a TV show on HGTV called Scoring the Deal. And at that time, I had built a company. We represented more professional athletes than anyone else in the United States. And I was being interviewed when the show was launching by the New York Times. And at, at my mom in the background said, tell them you're the Jerry Maguire of real estate. And, and they heard it, and then the reporter said, you're the Jerry Maguire of real estate? And the next thing you knew, that moniker stuck. I, love it. <laughs> I think that's so fun. So Jason is now the VP of industry at KWRI, which for those people that are listening that aren't in the Keller Williams organization, that's KW Realty International, so our corporate headquarters. So um, I would love to jump backwards, and we all know about your amazing and very illustrious career, but I'd love to hear about your journey into real estate and how that started for you. Well, I, I kind of like am unemployable anywhere else other than residential real estate, that's, and that's how I feel. I, I grew up about 35 miles west of Detroit, and my mom is a, a teacher, and my dad was in the construction business, and I was never really great at school. I have some learning disabilities, reading and writing. These things don't come easy for me. And so I came out of high school with a, with a 1.8 GPA. And, um, and we don't let people like me be doctors uh, at that time or accountants or lawyers or any of these things. And so I was going to go sell ladies' shoes. And in, uh, and in all candor, that didn't sound so bad to me. Like hang out at the mall. Like this all sounded good. Even the, 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 I was getting made fun of a little bit and teased Al Bundy jokes from my friends, but I was excited about it. The last thing I wanted to do was go to more school and um, kind of fast forward. My, my mom said, you know what? You should really get a real estate license. And I, at, at that time, wasn't really confident that, that I was going to be able to do that. And my mom, who has always seen more in me than anybody else on the planet. Don't get me wrong. I have a great dad too, but mom has always seen more. She literally on her summer vacation did that with and we had flashcards and we had in the cabinets, you would open it and it would give you how many acres to a square foot or the other way around. And literally it became a whole lifestyle for a family. And I got past that test and uh, I've never looked back. Even now today, my, my mom still does con ed with me. She got her license as well. She's never sold a house. I think she maintains it just to make sure that I go to con ed. I think that's amazing. That is so cool. Um, I'm also the same. I think most of us probably in this business are completely unemployable anywhere else. Um, My sister, my sister, my whole family is in nursing. And the other day I was having a conversation with my sister about 
her boss. And I had to say to myself, like, I haven't had a boss in 20 years. I don't even know what to tell you because I have no idea what that's like. So, but that's incredible that your family has supported you. Well, there was this gap, right, between high school and getting a license. That you, you try a little bit of college, you try a little bit. And some people, they're just not in this linear path. Like, I have a brother, he's older than me, and he's brilliant. And from U of M to becoming an attorney, and he's just, everything he does in the classroom is right. And so many of the skills that I had weren't really celebrated in academia. And then you come out, at least for me, and you kind of look around, and then I, uh, residential real estate found me. I didn't find it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us fail into it. And then you get here and you look around and you realize it's the greatest industry in the world. And if you're a true age, agent of change, you can affect so many people in this business. And I, I, I just fell in love madly with it. So did your team, was all of that based in Detroit? Yeah, I mean, I was a single agent in Detroit. And then a couple of buddies of mine finished college. And then instead of going out, I said, why don't you join? And we joined together. That was actually the first time I was ever in Outfront Magazine. We, they did an ad called The Real Estate World. At that time, the show The Real World was like a thing. Oh, yeah. We all lived together and worked together. And it was the greatest ride ever. And uh, then we opened up a Keller Williams office, and I became a team leader. And then the team grew, and then the athlete business hit. And it's, uh, it's, it's literally taken me all over the world. I've sold homes on three continents. I've gotten to travel to almost every major market. I've gotten to speak all over the world. And um, I don't know, I guess Keller Williams let me dream as big as I wanted and then gave me like the ecosystem to accomplish those dreams. And I'm just really grateful for it, I guess. How did yeah. you get started with the working with athletes thing? Because I think for a lot of agents, you know, we feel like, that's like the unattainable thing for a lot of agents. Um, you know, luxury market, those things are a scary thing. Like it's safe in regular residential. Um, but you know, when you go to make that jump, what did that look like? It was a total fluke. Or, go for it, or was there like a door that was open for you? Or yeah, Kinda, I went to a Keller Williams event. I went to a family reunion event, which I think it was in Orlando. And, and I think I spent more time at the hotel restaurant slash bar than I did going to any of the events. But for me, that, that worked. I met like all these amazing people. And, and there was a woman that I met. And we were both kind of getting an award that year. Back then, you actually got to shake Gary and Moe's hand when you got an award. He put on a tuxedo. It was cool. And so we ended up being in line together. And we met. And she represented a professional athlete in her marketplace. And in the last minute, that athlete got traded to the Detroit Lions, and she called me and said, will you split this deal with me? And I, and I said, sure. And um, I was so excited. Wow. I called my mom. I said, Mom, I got this athlete coming. And she said, well, what are you going to do? You can't pick him up in the Grand Am. And I, I was like, right, I don't want to roll the windows down in the Grand Am. So I, I rented a limousine for that day. And I showed three houses that day, and he picked one. And it was nine days later that we closed, and that was – the most expensive new construction Toll Brothers home to sell in the state of Michigan. And I got this giant check. And it was literally like just a dream. And right after that, I called to say thank you to his sports agent and his financial advisor because I had met them in the transaction. And I guess no one had ever done that before. Like th that was a different thing. They weren't used to that. And then I actually went on my first business trip. I showed up unannounced at their offices just to say thanks again. And um, I left a thank you card for one of them because I never made it past the receptionist. Three weeks later, if that, that person called me and said, hey, 
we now have another athlete that's coming to Michigan. Do you, do you want to help? And I did, and I did a great job. And then two weeks after that, they, they called and they said, do you work anywhere other than Michigan? And I said, yeah, I work everywhere. And uh, I'll figure it out. I, right. And then, and then three years later, we were the largest in the United States with that, with that niche. That's incredible. Well, I, I can tie all of my success usually back to some single point of gratitude. I, you know, and I, for me, and, and gratitude is a really big theme in my life, mainly because it's taken, this is 21 years now at KW, and it's literally taken thousands of amazingly talented people to raise one human. Like, I'm a product of this. My story is Keller Williams' story, and the same with, I think, a ton of others. And uh, everything that's good that's happened to me has started with a thank you. I... Love that. I love that. That's on, that's probably on my bold laws somewhere behind me, but you said it better than they did. (laughs) So are your roomies um, from the real world days still in real estate? No, you know, they both got out. One of them is a financial advisor, really talented. His wife, by the way, is a KW team leader. So that's awesome. And the other one opened up a t-shirt company that makes t-shirts with positive slogans. And so they're off living their best lives also. That's very that's awesome. So well, I'm very excited that you are not known as the Al Bundy of real estate. Thank yes. God. <laughs> Me too. But true story though, um, is it, I think it's Josh Cooley in one of the Carolinas. I can never remember which because I just get like starstruck by his accent. Stephen Cooley. Stephen Cooley, thank yeah, you. We all get starstruck by him, by the way. He, I, I heard him do an hour the other day in a mastermind I took like 15 pages of notes. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, I saw him speak at, well, I've seen him speak a couple times, but he always says he recruits from Nordstrom's shoes from their sales floor. So maybe he would have made that journey anyways. <laughs> yes. He could have ended up here anyways. So how did um, KWRI happen? I think that I don't want to use the rude, the word rumor, but like, there's been a lot of like whisperings about what you're doing there and how you ended up there. And people are like, Hey, what is Jason doing at KWRI? So tell us about how that happened. I, I, you're going to, you'll have to share with me what all the rumors are. I bet you they're a heck of a lot more interesting than the truth. And I'm about to ruin the whole truth. Um, honestly, I, I mean, I've, I've grown up here and there was, going to be some transition and Gary was going to be taking, he always had an amazingly active role, but I think he was looking around and wanted to better understand what the agent experience was. And so there's a challenge that, that KWRI has and most franchises do, which is the people, you have, you have X amount of people in one place that are creating the technology and the education and the systems and models that then go out to the field. If we made like coffee here, everyone in the building would have an opinion on how to make it better. The one would say, it's too, you know, it's, it's too bitter. And the other would say, it's too sweet. Or if we made shoes, everyone would be like, they're just not comfortable. But if you think about it, we build technology that they're never going to use. Like our engineers are never going to go on a listing appointment. They're never going to go show buyers houses. And some of the people that write our courses, they, they won't go live it for two years. That doesn't mean they're not experts in it. And so I'm trying to act as a go-between the voice of the agent, what's really happening in the field, how does being in the real estate business for 20 years color what the next 20 years is gonna look like? And how can we take real life experience and then mirror that with technologists to create something that helps 
Yeah, um, the company is changing rapidly. It's been pretty incredible to watch. So I've been, have you always been a Keller agent? Your whole career? There was a short time there. I was at this awesome company that had these really cool gold jackets. Ah. It was a short time, but I was so proud of that coat <laughs> when I had it. Um, and then I, I found Keller Williams and I was lucky enough to, uh, to open up a franchise really early on. I think when I joined, there was maybe 5,000 agents in the firm. So I've, I've gotten to grow up along with it. Wow. Yeah. I've been, so I've been an agent 19 years and I took one year uh, where I cheated and went to a brokerage that's big on the East coast, but not so big here in Colorado. Um, Angela has always been an independent. She's an indie brokerage owner. She did dear one year with KW though. So within our group, two of us are Keller and two are not, but um, it's been pretty incredible to watch what's going on in the company over the last year or two. It's just been explosive. Well, it's also, it's so exciting now, you know, we're spending more time with independents than we ever had before. You know, you look up and realize that our independent real estate brothers and sisters make up about 700,000 of our NAR members. And then you ask the question, how can we take the best of what they have and then inject that through the ecosystems? Because the culture, the coolness of so many of those brands, the niche market, the, the way that they think about being a fiduciary for their customers it's really dangerous if all we do is highlight our franchise brothers and sisters because that makes up half our ecosystem and i believe we need a thriving ecosystem from both of those parts in order to continue to stay a fiduciary which to be candid with you there's a lot of third-party companies that would like to see real estate agents go away yeah oh yeah i heard you speak about that here in denver um and it was amazing and i stole it for an article so thanks i did ask permission first but it's okay <laughs> Um, so you've been at KWRI how long? 20 plus. Oh, at KWRI, two years. Yeah, two years. Oh, that's, wow. That's a long time. I will say that one of the most incredible things that I've seen is like the way that KWRI, I feel like has put their arms around people and really gone back to having one-on-one -on -one human relationships with everybody, both from KWRI and in the market center level during this COVID crisis? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really speak to previous administrations or how they, they looked at it. I can only tell you that throughout my entire journey here, the currency of residential real estate has always been relationships. That, that's, we're just never gonna get away from that. And I truly believe that people do business with people they like, period. There's no algorithm to replace that. There's no better idea than that. And, 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 and if that's the case, then all of us have to look up and ask on a daily basis, how many more people like us at the end of the day than did at the beginning of the day? And literally, when I'm an agent, I'm grading my day like that. If I can get one person every day to like me more at the end than the beginning, I'm gonna be okay. If I can get three people, all the better. You get 40 people, you're on your way to being a mega team. I, I look at my day the exact same way. And I look up and I say, well, I'm lucky enough to have an 180,000 person family. And the next question is how many of those people could I really say I'm in relationship with? How many of them do I know? Their hopes, their dreams, their family, their occupation, their recreation, all of those things that we know are so important. And then you look up and realize you can't know everybody. If COVID did anything for me, it was really hasten my desire to get to know as many as I could, mainly because I started making the phone calls to some of the spouses that lost Keller Williams family members due to COVID. And that was really hard. It, it, it wasn't hard to call and say that I was sorry because I was like, that's an easy call to make, which is I'm so sorry for your loss. The hard part was later those nights when I, I, would, I would lay there and I would, I would get real with myself 
and just come to the realization that I never would have called that person had they not lost somebody. And then ask myself, who else in my phone would I be willing to not speak with again? And for me, I, I happen to, to love people. I couldn't think of anyone to be on that list. And so I kind of went off on this mission to talk to as many people as I could each day. And uh, it's been extraordinary. I've learned so much uh, in the last six months. I can't even, I can't even quantify it. Yeah, it's been pretty incredible, like on a market center level. I know at least here in our region, um, you know, we've had daily calls with our office and we've had our office calling through the entire book of agents and making those close personal connections with people. And we've even seen you guys like Josh team and even Gary and people like you really um, out there and connecting with people in a way that we've never seen before. So in a weird way, I think that it's really cool that COVID happened because it forced us all to realize we can actually make deeper and greater connections on the interwebs like we're doing right now that we would have never made before. Yeah, I, I think that if COVID did anything, it hastened a lot of the changes that were already gonna be destined to happen. Meaning like I think on a long enough timeline, the consumer always gets what they want. So the consumer for homes, I think they wanna look at less homes, but more of the right ones. They wanna have a seamless experience, preferably on their cell phone, where they don't have to log into a million different systems to buy one of them. They wanna have a fiduciary, not there all the time, but they're at the right time. And they want us to just know when the right time is. And so luckily, I think all of that is happening. But I also think it got all of us in the real estate business real clear, which was a totally virtual experience is not everybody's favorite. And it's not mine. Like, I don't think all virtual is, is anything that I would elect. That said, I think we need to be virtually or digitally focused, but physically enhanced. And now we get to look up and start rewriting all of those rules. I, I think the decisions that we'll make now will echo for the next 50 years in real estate. And uh, I, can't, I can't think of a more exciting time to be in it than right now. Jason, can I tell you something real quick? Yeah. So, um, while I love Gary and he's incredible, you are the reason that I joined Keller Williams in the first place. Oh my God. Uh, and yeah, you and your flannel shirt standing up there um, at the uh, tech conference telling me everything that I needed at that moment in my career um, was the reason why I joined Keller Williams. The reason why I left was unfortunately because there's not more of you. Um, <laughs> and, and I we wish um, that, I, couldn't I couldn't replicate the, um, you know, what I have in an independent brokerage. I couldn't replicate that within, um, you know, the, the market center that I was at. I was a team leader. Sure. Um, and that was a role that I was never in before. So it was a really interesting time for me. But um, I learned so much from you guys and I look up to you um, hugely. Thank so, you for saying that. You know, it's so incredible. I, I, when I hear stories like that, I don't hear them very, very often. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I feel so fulfilled. I, the, the truth is, I, I kind of look up at all companies, and I, I can only, I don't want this to be KW centric, because I know you have listeners from all over. And so this is what I would tell you. I think all companies for me are like a giant garden. And there's certain parts of the garden that I absolutely love, and they're beautiful and, and thriving. And then there's always other parts that look like hell. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how did this, no one's been taking care of this piece. And then there's other parts that only look good seasonally. And so like you only go there at certain times. And there's some of us that, that get to tend to it on a national level, but it's for a really short period of time because they're gonna find someone smarter than me and, and, and more articulate and all of those things. And I know that, 
and getting to do it has been the greatest honor of my life. And so here's the question I would ask everyone that listens, which is, have you identified your garden yet? And do you feel as passionate about it as I do? Because if you haven't, it's the greatest gift you'll find. And if you have, and you're feeling a little bit on empty because this time has been so difficult, just look up and realize that the things that you do today will change lives tomorrow. Like this is that moment. Um, and you can look up and say, well, what makes this moment unique? And, I, and I'll tell you, what makes this moment unique is that the entire pantheon of people are all having a singular experience that none of us have had before. Like unless you were running around in like 1917, like this is all new, which means that we have shared experience and shared experience is the first step to any sort of connectivity amongst humans. And if you can take that shared experience and turn it into mind share, meaning that now you and I are gonna be in a relationship, that's what ultimately turns into market share when this thing should recede. And the gains you make, I don't think you'll ever get back. So for as many people as you inspire, who inspires you truly? Like it can be random people. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the people we hear about all the time and we know. Um, but who really inspires you truly? You know what? This, it's going to sound cliche, but I'm, I'm in a, my mother, my, my mom is, she's battled cancer twice. She didn't miss a day of work a single time the first time. She had a brain tumor, lost all the hearing in her left ear in, in the last two years and hasn't missed a beat. She's just the strongest person on the planet as far as I'm concerned. Now, if she calls me twice a day, wants to remind me to wear my seatbelt and the other time to ask me if I'm eating properly, I could do without some of that, but um, she, she's just my hero. And you are married, you have children, yes? I have a little boy named Jackson. Oh, fun, how old is he? He is seven years old, he's going into second grade, and uh, it's exciting. It's a little weird right now with, with the schools, right? Like we're trying to figure all that out like, like all of you guys are. Nothing easy about it right now. So if we're allowed to go there, um, so how, how long have you been married? How long has your wife been on the ride of real estate with you, I guess, is what I'm asking. Oh, you know what, I, I, it, it's interesting, right? I don't, we're all on this, this real estate ride. And, and for me, I was on the road 300 plus days for a lot of that period as I was traveling. So um, it, it, it's, it's been interesting to say the least. But you know what, she's a very talented architect and uh, has a lot of her own interests and it just somehow works. That's good. You should build houses together if you haven't done that already, if she's an architect. That's Angela. Rule number one is never build a home with an architect. True. <laughs> or maybe with your spouse also. Right. Violates right. the rules of the universe. Yeah. So um, that, were you speaking when you were traveling 300 days a year? Is that what that no, was? No, we were just, you know, my thing when I was representing athletes was that I would be the last face you saw in the city you were leaving and the first face you'd see at the city you were going to. And so although I would always have a referring agent, I literally went and saw every deal that we did during that time. Wow. And I mean, that was 300 plus days a year. I mean, we represented, I, I don't know if it was 15 or 16, I mean, we represented 29% of the first round of the NFL draft that year. Oh. So we, we were wow. wow. Yeah. That's and then it all calmed down. And then I started traveling and speaking in support of real estate agents, um, mainly and across all brands. I, I saw this need, right? I, I felt like the world was changing and real estate agents were really not noticing, not that they weren't feeling it, but that they didn't necessarily know how to galvanize to do anything about it. 
And I, and I looked up and I just realized that like all the technologists and everyone that was talking about the future of real estate, none of them were actually realtors. And that really bothered me. And then I looked up and realized that you really have a hard time finding innovation coming from real estate agents dating back over the last 30 years. I, I really believe it's going to have to be a realtor to get involved, to direct the future of real estate. And so my mission became to try to inspire as many people as I could within our industry to take a real hard look at it and ask what were they going to do different? Because here's the thing, right now, anybody who solves the quandary of how to get the consumer what they want has the potential to become the next instant billionaire. And it's going to be somebody. I mean, the consumer is going to get what they want. Like, I don't think they wanted Amazon. I think they wanted products delivered to their house at the right price in a really short period of time. They got Amazon. I, I don't think they wanted Domino's. They just wanted to know where their pizza was at all times. So they never had to call again. They got the pizza tracker. They got a Domino's. I, I don't think anyone wants an Acura following them around 24 hours a day. What they wanted was an Acura there when they wanted an Acura there. They got Uber. It works perfect. And they're going to get what they want for real estate. The question will be, will it be from us or someone else? And so, you know, I look up and say, look, guys, the enemy is at the gates. You got all these people that would like nothing more than for you to be unemployed and for your customers to not have a fiduciary. And I want to meet that enemy head on. And I don't think it's too harsh to call them the enemy. I believe that it's in the consumer's best interest to have a real estate agent standing next to them in the center of the transaction. And if anyone thinks that's a passe idea, then we probably are not in alignment. Right. Do you think that Zillow has the right formula? Do you think, you know, this is like something that consumes, I swear, like 40 plus percent of all of the feeds and conversations that happen in these big, huge Facebook groups like uh, Lab Code Agents, Nick and Tristan are good friends of ours. It's always Zillow, 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 Zillow. So do you think Zillow has the right formula? Do you think that they're the agent killer really? No, I don't, I don't believe any of that. I don't think anyone wants to swipe right to buy a house. Like I think people do business with people they like and they want to do business with an actual fiduciary. And there's a reason that people might search on a company like that. And there's a lot of search aggregators. And at the end of the day, they go to a real estate agent for help. And I, and I believe that that's a really good order of things. Look, I think that that company was born in Q4 of 06. I think they're still trying to figure out how to monetize and how to make money. I think they do a lot of really great things, a lot of things well. That said, anyone who thinks they're going to put the real estate agent out of business, I think you're in for a rude awakening. We happen to be an amazingly resilient bunch, and the graveyard is filled with people that underestimated us. And so get in line and get ready for the fight, because it's now a battle of attrition. You've come face to face with the will of the realtor, and that's a group that I'm willing to bet on every day. When I saw you speak in Denver, you were talking about this. And at that point, I think it was 2018. And we were going through this giant, like, I would call it the brokerage wars of 2018, right? So EXP was really coming up and everybody was like all day long, EXP versus the balloon versus the gold jacket versus Keller. You know, it was like this big, like, pick your avatar. We're going to rumble moment happening in the real estate business. But you had said... Um, something that has always stuck with me, which is that if agents could see who is coming for their business, they would stop fighting with each other and get together as a population of millions of agents all across the United States from all of these different companies and fight with each other. Yes. Against the enemy. 
Yes, stand shoulder to shoulder. The, the truth is we should be sharing information across all brands. I, I hope that we're inspiring other people who weren't thinking about building their own tech to get in and do it to protect their agents. I'm hoping that we're starting to tear down these barriers, whether brick and mortar or virtual. I really believe that when we fight over whose brokerage house is better publicly, the consumer moves away from us emotionally. Like, no one cares. Like, that doesn't serve them very well. And Look, I'm a fan of all real estate agents. I'm also a humanist and that I love most people. That said, all real estate agents should be sharing best practices together. That's one of the coolest things about, I think, Nick and Tristan's group. I'm good friends with those guys too. You have people from all brands getting together to mastermind and share ideas. The danger of only masterminding and talking within your company is that you end up getting tunnel vision within that company. You only have, give or take, at the largest company, call it what, 12 or 13% of the total aggregate, which means you got what, 80% of the rest of the brain power collectively somewhere else. Like we all have to come together. The, 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 by the way, the consumer deserves it. Do you, do you think that any of them want to have a subpar experience? Do you think any consumer is like, you know what, if I can get a 10, I'd rather settle for a four. It just feels better to me. Absolutely not. All of us have to raise our game. And by the way, when all of us raise our game, regardless of company affiliation, and all of us start loving our clients, however you're going to define it more, then it makes it impossible for anyone to come in between us. And here's the scary thing. If you decide that that doesn't really resonate with you and you're going to go a different route, what happens to the consumer? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to leave them to deal directly with Wall Street when it comes to the equity in their home. Main Street should just deal directly with Wall Street. How do you think that's going to work out for the American populace over the next two generations? Like, I don't believe very well. And I look up and now, and you, you have all of these issues in so many of our urban centers right now, I truly believe residential real estate is the vehicle by which to solve a lot of it. Meaning everybody that you take from being a renter to a homeowner, it's much better to own a piece of America than it is to rent it. Every single person in a community who's underemployed, you better get them a real estate license and then pour into them so that they succeed. You can make a difference in our industry tomorrow, one family or one agent at a time. What pains me is that 70 plus percent of all of the agents are out of the industry within 10 years of being licensed. I don't think that's an indictment on them. I think it's an indictment on those of us that are still left. What, what happens to all those people? Like th their torch goes out, they have to leave the island. Where do they go? And, and, and that really bothers me. And, um, and I'm hoping that technology is gonna be the thing that magnifies our humanity to start changing those numbers. Yeah, it's sad. Um, I never thought about it that way, but I it don't really know. Bothers think of it like this, because if you think that's an interesting idea, consider this. Consider that everybody has a first day in real estate and nobody goes through the pain of becoming a real estate agent unless they're hoping to have the freedom that comes with the financial opportunity. Meaning that in all of our journeys, you go from fear, which is I'm scared to death of doing it, to pain, which is this is hard, to freedom. That's just how that goes. All these people get through the fear, they get through the pain, they finally get close to having the freedom, and then they don't. And, and then they go back and they have to explain to their families, or they go back and they have to go get a real job. I, that, all of that, I hate that. And yeah. I think our industry is big enough that everybody that gets into it, I can't save people. So I can't tell you everyone should just get to be successful. I can tell you that everybody should get the answers to the questions when they have them. 
everybody should get the same equity and opportunity. And everybody should have somebody who puts a fire in their belly, like Gary and Josh put into mine, so that you wake up and you're willing to go to it. Because, I don't know, Lindsay and, and Angela, you probably know it, but for those of us that find it, there's a freedom here that, uh, that most people will never get to enjoy. And once you have it, you can't even think about living a different way. Yeah. The amount of trust and, you know, love that, that you have for those agents um, that are new on their very first day is not unlike, you know, your clients going through their first experience with you. And they're going to remember every second of it. You have a massive opportunity and responsibility to take care of these people. And if they're failing, you failed ultimately. And I think if more people thought of it that way, there'd be a lot more people still in the business. Oh my gosh. I mean, go, go, everybody listening, pull up your office roster tomorrow. I don't care if you're an independent with four agents or you're in a mega market center with a thousand. There's usually somebody on it that you don't know. And if you know that you can go through that list and if you were standing next to them at the Safeway, both wearing your masks and you wouldn't recognize them, then that's on you to pick up the phone today. And anything you don't change, you're choosing. So just know tomorrow, if you don't get to know another agent in your office, you've chosen that. And I'm begging you to make a different choice. I really am because together we're so much stronger than we are divided. And it's not like a zero-sum game where if so-and-so sells a house, that means there's one less house for you. Raise your hand if you own the brokerage house that controls 100% of the deals in your market. And then realize none of us do. And then realize it's six or seven million sales, which I hope we get to one day. There's plenty to go around. Yep. I think that's something that happens, in an, at least in my experience, hopefully for most people, in an agent's career um, as they come up through the ranks of the industry, though. In the beginning, most of us are probably Heidi's, right? So we're very competitive. Um, I mean, there's an agent in my office who literally hangs up pictures of the agent that's in front of her in the rankings and throws darts at it when she's having a bad day, right? So like, we're all very competitive. We're high D's. Um, but then I think as you get more tenure in the business, you realize that like these people are your comrades, right? And you actually start to make really great relationships with people and start to have really close and fun relationships with your competitors in the market. But um, I think a lot of young agents are, like I hear that um, message a lot, a lot, a lot. Just wait until COVID is in full swing and half of the real estate industry has a mass exodus and then there's more market share for me to pick up all the time. And I have to say, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what makes a great business owner in this business? Like, what is it that, and we always ask our guests this. So I'd love to hear your mindset on that. But what separates somebody from who, you know, sells the NAR average of four to six houses a year and somebody who's a mega agent? Um, but I've never, ever, I have to say, thought about what happens to all those people that this was their dream and they don't ever get to experience the magic that we have. So I'm going to take it as my personal mission the next time that I hear somebody say that, um, that they wish that these people would leave the industry, that they're talking about human beings with dreams here. Uh, it keeps me up at night. It, it really does. And by the way, look, I'm a really competitive person too. I've become number one in almost every market I've decided to play in. It doesn't mean that I didn't care about people on the way because I don't believe in order for me to win, they have to lose. 
I think in order for them and all of us to win, I'm going to keep raising the bar. I'm going to try to raise it as high as I can, such that the rising tide rises all ships. That said, the path of any business usually mirrors the personal growth of that business's owner. Gary told me, has been telling me that my whole life. And it really makes sense to me. And it resonates with me. And, and here's the thing, right? The agent that does the NAR average of four or five deals, let's get clear that that might be exactly what that person is looking for in their life. Meaning if you're a sole practitioner and you're trying to do an extra six deals for a little extra money, I honor that person as much as I do the mega agents. The problem that I have is the person that does four deals talks about wanting to be a mega agent, but then doesn't take any of the steps necessary to become one, whatever a mega agent is. And keep in mind, I don't think we should be grading agents on how many gross units or how much volume. I think that's the dumbest thing on the planet. I think we should grade people on net income. How much money did you make that you actually brought home to then live your best life with? The challenge with that is it's really hard to quantify it because when you say, okay, everyone bring your tax returns, we'll judge it that way. No one shows up for the class. So here's what I would tell you. Number one, you're only competing with the people that you allow to be in your world, meaning that you're really competing with yourself. Number two, the path of competition should start with understanding why you'd be willing to work so hard. What is it that you're really trying to accomplish? I remember Gary asked me, he said, what do you want to be? And I was young. I was in my 20s, maybe. And he said, what do you want to be? And I said, rich. And he goes, cool. How do you define that? And I gave him a number. And he looked so disappointed afterwards. And, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I should say a bigger number. And then I raised the number. And he didn't look any happier. And he said, how do you define rich? And I said, I, I don't know. I picked a number that I never thought I'd actually have. And he said, well, I define rich as making enough money to be able to live the life that you want such that you're the happiest. And I stopped thinking of it that, that about the dollar amount. I started thinking about what, what do I want to live and what do I want to achieve? And uh, I think that's really important for everybody to go out and try to do, or you end up on this quest for more. And frankly, that's just kind of a stupid quest to be on because no one really cares. We have been talking about this so much between the four of us and also with our guests over the last few weeks. Excuse me. Um, because it feels like, and I don't really know how to articulate it, but it feels like something started to change in the four of us. And then now we've noticed that it's changing within other agents as well. We just had David Hoffman on a couple weeks ago and we talked to him about this for a long time. Um, you know, and if you would answer this, I think that would be super cool. I don't know if there is an answer, but we've always, I think a lot of people in the industry, whether Keller agents or not, have always wondered if this is a Keller thing, because by accident, we've made this incredible ecosystem where we have the smartest, the best, the brilliant, and the bright, but it always, in some weird way for us highly competitive people, makes us feel just a little bit inferior because there's always somebody doing more and being more and up on the stage and doing the this and doing the that. And we keep chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing. And then at some point, like, you know, I, I can only speak for me, but I know the other three and a lot of our guests have felt the same way. Exactly what you said, like you look around at some point and you're like, I have tons of money in my bank account. That's great, but my life is a mess and I have no one to share it with. Or I'm not as profitable as I should be, even though I'm winning all these awards for top unit and top volume and all these things. And your life can be a huge mess. Um, 
Do you think that that's a Keller thing that we push each other so hard? Do you think that's unique to KW? I, I don't know. I think I look up and you, what do you have an 83% divorce rate in professional baseball right now? And you're, you're at what, 60 some odd percent in the NFL. And I think that these are the challenges of highly successful people across any industry. And I also am really clear on the fact because I have great friends at almost every brand out there. This is not unique to Keller and there's brilliant people that are all having really big life problems everywhere you go. And here's kind of the way that I think about it. And there's no right answer for this. The first step in this is really realizing that maybe you're not as happy as you want the rest of the world to think you are. And the way that I think about that is if you were driving in your car and the check engine light came on, you would never pull up at the stoplight, roll down the window and yell at the car next to you. I think there might be a problem with your engine. My light came on. You'd never do that. It's your engine light that's on. And so everyone has to ask themselves right now, is my check engine light on? And if it is, it usually is because of one of three different categories. Number one is money. Number two is relationships. And number three, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna call it self. And that's either health or spirituality or something. And the solution for me, and not, not that I have this right, has been that I have this triangle that I need to maintain in my life. And if the triangle becomes unglued, then I lose. And Brian Gubernick, who's an agent at KW, actually taught me the triangle. And it's, it's really a simple one. It's, it's, it's a triangle. And on top of it, it has the word authenticity. And by the way, I have this in a giant, everywhere I go, this is on my wall. Authenticity means that everyone that I'm going to deal with is going to experience the real me. For better or worse, it's going to be authentic. In the left side, it has the word logic, meaning I'm always going to explain exactly what my logic and my thinking is. And you're either going to agree with it or you're not, in which case we can argue the ideas, but not the people, because we're both great people either way. And then the last side of it is empathy, meaning you have to really care that I believe you and, I, and that I believe in you. Because if you don't believe that I care about you, it doesn't really matter anything else that I say. And I find that in my life, and here, play along at home, think about all the relationships that you've had that you maintain today. And now think about when you have a fight, what you're actually fighting about. Regardless, I would tell you it's always because one of those three things in the moment is broken. Either you no longer believe in the logic of the person you're dealing with, or you don't believe you're getting their real authentic self, they're lying to you, or you don't believe in that moment that they actually care about you. And then you repair it and you move on. And the relationships that disappear completely from your life, whether personal or business, that's the one where one of those three things broke so irreputably that you can never repair it. Because once one of those things is gone, it's the absence of trust, which then leads to the absence of truth. And so here, here's getting full circle. If you draw that triangle right now, and then you ask yourself if your check engine light is on, Try to figure out which one of those three things needs a tune-up. And then every time you talk to anyone in your sphere of influence or anyone in your business, ask yourself if after the call you could draw that little triangle next to their name and feel like you honor it. And if the answer is no, choose to have a different conversation tomorrow. Because here's what I've known. The more times I can draw that triangle after a phone call, whether it's with customers or agents, the better my life has become. And uh, that's my simple answer to a really hard question. Yeah, I think that's 100% accurate. Um, I want to go back real quick to um, when we were talking previously about numbers and how you grade yourself as an agent and compare yourself to each other. 
Um, I will say for me, my business and my life completely and totally changed the second I stopped looking at the numbers for the numbers and I treated them as how many lives did we change this year? And the second I did that, nothing else mattered. The money came, we didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. Um, that mind shift is a super, super huge thing with any business. How do you keep your mindset um, at a super high level? And does it, is it just who you surround yourself with or is there something internally in you that forces that drive and that mindset to be on a different level than other people's? I just had an, I had an experience really early on where, where, whereas I thought once I had a certain dollar amount, I was going to feel different. And I, and I set a rather big one. And it was probably one that a lot of people, so you say, once I have a million, you know, that, then something is going to end, whatever the number is for you. And, and then whatever my number was, I hit it and I woke up the next day feeling exactly as I did the day before. Nothing yeah. had changed for me. And um, I really struggled with that because I came kind of unmoored from what I thought the path was. If the thing that you're working for no longer actually matters. And in that case, that number didn't mean anything anymore. Then yeah. what? And uh, then I think there's two types of people. There's the kind that don't change. And then there's the kind that try to go on a quest. And my quest is still ongoing. <laughs> I do know this though. I do know that I, I, I'm, I hate losing a lot more than I like winning. <laughs> I'm highly competitive. So don't take any of this the wrong way. I'm still setting goals and I'm still trying to dominate and win in everything that I can. And I think of recruiting, I think of it differently. I think of it as competing. Like I want to compete at a really high level. I'm just really clear on the fact that we're all grading our own actions by how we feel at the end of the day. And so much of this is going on in our own mind. Meaning when, when you're sitting there, just understand all of your thoughts are yours. Nobody else knows what you're thinking at any given time. So when you're deciding what everybody else is thinking, or you're deciding everybody else's motivation, or you're deciding what other people think of you, just understand none of that is real. That's all just in your head. And every time I find myself doing that, I yell in my own mind the word hello and try to remind myself, it's just me. <laughs> like, I'm the only one here. It's just me. That has helped me an awful lot. Gary said that the challenge of life is that there's so many things to do, but you can only do so many of them. There's so many things to have, but you can only have so many of them. And there's so many people to help, but you can only help a percentage of them. Which that means the challenge then is figuring out what you're going to use as a compass to know when to make the right decisions and when to lean into others. I think that's really the journey we're all on. So what drives you, Jason Abrams? I'm, I'm really driven to protect an industry that if it wasn't here, I probably wouldn't be either. Like I legitimately don't have a plan B. Like, I mean, the, sure, the modeling thing, but you Honestly, know, yeah, that's, not, I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to just jump into that right now at this age. Um, this is it for me. And it's taken me all over the world and it's let me live this big life. And I truly believe that it is in peril for the first time since I got in it. And uh, so whether you want to carry the flag of a different company, that's your choice. I think all of us are making a vote on where we think the future of residential real estate is and the company we're with is our vote each day. If you're voting for somebody else, all good. Just make the vote and then stand shoulder to shoulder with the rest of us and then protect us. Because here's, here's the thing, the bigger picture, 26% of all of the wealth in this country is tied up in the equity of people's houses. That's just a fact. But how does that equity get there? 
How is that number so big? Think about that statement. It's there because since 1891, real estate agents have been the protector of that wealth. And I take that responsibility very, very seriously. Because I think if we were to go away tomorrow, a generation, maybe two generations from now, that wealth would be sitting somewhere else in some sovereign other country's bank account or on Wall Street or not with my friends and family. And I'm just totally opposed to that. So I'm gonna fight. Uh, I'm obsessed with that. I just wrote that down. I'm gonna noodle on that probably for the next week. Do you think that Zillow, all these tech companies, do you really think that their mission is to put the agent out of business? Because this is another thing that we talk about all the time. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Sometimes I feel like, no, maybe it's not. Because on one hand, their primary source of income comes from agent dollars that are paying them for advertising and to be in their system. But I think that we might accidentally cause that too sometimes by breaking from them and all these people that are like, we're going to strike and we're not going to pay Zillow anymore. What chance and choice are they going to have if we completely go away? They are going to have to go after the agent, I think. But do you think it's their mission from the beginning to go after the agent? I don't know that I would, I'm going to answer it. I don't want to pinpoint any one company because we have great friends at all the different companies. That said, I think that they either want to completely remove the real estate agent or they certainly want to put pressure on agents profitability and they want to put pressure on agent businesses. And look, I don't think that there's any die that's already been cast that says that any one of them have the patent on what the best consumer experience is. I really don't. And yeah, I think in the quest for money, people do all kinds of things that they would look up at and otherwise agree would not be a great idea. And so here's what I think. I think that the local fiduciary who actually cares about the consumer, not just the day they buy a house, but every single day in between, that's the best way to protect the consumer. And as the watch guard that's been doing it since 1891, we're going to continue to do it. And everybody else that wants to disrupt the industry said differently, they want to change that relationship. And I'm not, I'm not for that, mainly because I happen to believe it's the best relationship there is. Anybody who wants to argue in the arena of ideas and tell me that the consumer is better off with an algorithm than a person, I want to take that challenge. Anyone who wants to argue that not having a fiduciary relationship in writing is better for the consumer, I want to fight that idea. And anybody that thinks that information given without anybody there to explain or help make sure the information fits into the journey of that person's life, I want to fight that idea as well. And so, I don't know, anyone that wants to play the other side, you, you know where to find me. It's Jason at KW.com. That's right. When was the last time a monopoly was good for the consumer? Yeah. Wow. And by the way, <laughs> such a great statement. Yeah. I, I think it's going to play itself out really interestingly. I, I think it would be absurd to say that anything that was born in Q4 of 06 is somehow now some sort of invincible thing. I just, I don't buy that. The only part that I hate is that consumers, like on the ground level, cannot separate Zillow from the agent. They don't understand that we're one in the same. They believe that Zillow belongs to us. So whereas we see an MLS that we feed our data out into, the consumer believes that we feed our data directly into Zillow. So that's the problem that we fight here on the ground is that they don't understand that we're one in the same. So we're constantly coaching our agents and coaching ourselves and coaching our clients on use this app, use our new KW consumer app, use, you know, this instead of Zillow. But um, 
I don't even know how that happened, but they did a damn fine job at making it seem like Realtors and Zillow are one and the same. Well, you say we're constantly educate. I don't buy that for a second. Like, and I'm not mad at them for executing a business plan. I'm a little mad at real estate agents because they're not calling their customers and giving them a one-to-one -one presidential address. I think that's the key. Just understand right now is the moment where you should call every one of your customers and then give them a one-to-one -one conversation. The value of their home right now. What's going on in their neighborhood right now? Understand, like, let's play the game. If I said, look up at your cell phone and take all the people in it and then make a list, and then next to it, write their, I don't know, their occupation. Do you, do you know where they're working? Do you know where they are in their employee's journey? Are they on the way up? Are they on the way down? You tell me. What, what, about, what about their recreation? Do you know where they go on vacation? Because the average American goes to the same place two or three times a year, and that's a conversation about a second home. Do you know that? Do you know where their dreams are? Do you know where they're planning on going? Everyone ties it to a physical locale. How about their family? Like, do you know if it's growing or shrinking or where they are on this whole right-sizing journey? If the answer is you don't know that about someone in your phone, then just get really clear. You're not in emotional proximity with them. Like, the truth is, it's a really hard argument for you to make that you're more of a fiduciary than a website if you can't tell me any of those things about your people. So step up and take your people back. That's how you win. Because here's the thing. Think about all the first responders out there. I love first responders, by the way. I love good police that make good decisions. I love good fire people that make good decisions. I love good military that make good decisions. I love good nurses and good doctors that make the right decisions. I tell you, if you make the wrong decisions, I'm not gonna support you. That said, all of those first responders wait for someone to show up at their office or their phone with an emergency. And then they react to the emergency. Real estate agents as first responders, we don't do that. We get ahead of the emergency. We get ahead of it by giving people information all of the time so that they don't end up in an emergency. You wanna to talk to your people once they've been foreclosed on or you wanna to talk to them once they have equity? You wanna to talk to your people once they've already gotten a zestimate or you wanna to talk to them prior to so you can give them a real evaluation. Meaning be a first responder for your people and get on the phone and call every single one of them today. And here's the thing, they're not gonna answer. By the way, that's okay. Call them all again next month. If you call every person in your data bank once a month, you might talk to them two or three times a year. That's enough. And then send them some hyper-local real estate information once a month. I don't care what system you use. If you're not sending real estate information, how can you call yourself a fiduciary? And if you're not talking to your people, how can you say that you're actually likable to them? And the easiest follow-up method on the planet, call once a month and send something about real estate once a month, that would be enough. I mean, I want to shake agents right now because it's like, this is something you need to hear. Every single one of you, all of us need to hear this. It's not that hard. You just have to do more than they're doing. And if you're not doing more than they're doing, why are you doing it in the first place? But you that's know, if you can be replaced by an app, what on earth is going on in your business that you can't give better service? Yeah. And, and by the way, it's the fact that it's not that hard is why you're not doing it. And I'm saying this with love. The part of your brain, by the way, that governs the way that you think about things like this has about 17 billion neurons in it. To, to put that into perspective, like a chimpanzee's, the part of their brain that governs these interactions has about 9 billion neurons, which means you're literally eating food to power this battery source that you have. Your brain doesn't want to accept the fact that it's just this easy. That all you got to do is call everyone in your phone book once a month and actually care about them. 
and send them one piece of information every month. It doesn't matter what system you use about real estate. Your brain wants to say it can't be that easy. I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you to please turn that part of your brain off and just pretend for a second that it is that easy. And then do it every day and look up a year from now. And I'm either going to be right or I'm going to be wrong. But I'll tell you this, I've been right a hell of a lot more times than I've been wrong on this issue. This yeah. is just human nature. If people do business with people they like, what did you do this week to be more likable and to how many people? And if you can't answer me, then you got a problem because you're in a people business. That's what we are. It's relationships. That's the currency of real estate. And um, look, it's possible that you look up right now and say, I don't really like being in a people business. And that's okay. And that's a choice. What isn't okay is I'm going to ask the question right now. Raise your hand if you're getting out of the industry in the next 30 days. Cool. No one ever raises their hand. But you know what? I look at the numbers and I know that there's going to be somewhere between 50 to 100,000 agents that do start to think about getting out of the business and about 20,000 that do. And it's that group that I'm begging you, please make a different choice tomorrow. Yeah. Those excuses might take up a whole lot more rent in your head, but they're not paying your bills. So get rid of that, you know, focus on something different and just do more. The second that happens, everything changes. Yeah. It's not being good enough and not being able to do this and not being able to be successful. Those are all things you're telling yourself. That's not actually true. There, and as soon as you get rid of that, that's when all the success comes flooding in. There's a great book on this. It's, it's called One Thought Changes Everything. That's a, a simplified version of another book called The Untethered Soul that goes into this, that all these thoughts are in your mind and they're, they're, they're all fantastic to read. I, I hear from agents every day. They say, you know, I don't want to lead generate. I don't want to make the calls. I don't want to do, I don't enjoy it. And I'm like, great. I, the person, by the way, that wakes up every day that tries to force themselves to do an activity they don't like, that's not what real estate is. There's a place where that's actually called prison. You go and check in. They'll give you something to do that you don't like every day, multiple times a day, no doubt. That's not what this was supposed to be. Anything that you like can be turned into scalable lead generation. You like golfing? Great. Play three days a week. Just make sure three of the people you're playing with live in houses. And make sure you talk a little bit about real estate. You love playing board games? Great. I think that there's a group for that. If the internet has taught us anything, it's that no matter what you like, there's another group that likes the same thing. So throw off all of these shackles that have been holding you down. Pick the things that you want to do and just do more of those things purposefully. And then we all win. I feel like we went to Jason Church right there. Yeah. I feel like I to... My, I've been saying the same thing now for three years and I'm forced to look up and ask myself if I have the wrong message or if everyone's just going to hear it at a different time. Yes. Yeah. When and they're Yes. I'm just, if there's one of you out there that hears it today, by the way, that's all it takes because any one of us is going to be connected to five, 600, a thousand consumers. All of those people think about how many people they have in their lives. Literally. That's why real estate agents are first responders. And that's why a pebble in our lake casts all those waves. You change a lot of lives because houses are the backdrop to people's lives. It's not like any other asset. No one curls up at night with their stock and bond portfolio but they all curl up at home in the, in the kitchens and in the living rooms that we help create and provide. It's, it's the greatest industry in the world. It is. I, yeah, no, I, I, you're kind of blowing my mind here. I thought I loved my business, but listening to you talk, it makes me think about how truly 
lucky I am to be in this business. It's absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm a passionate romance with residential real estate and, and all the people that are in it and all of the different aspects of it. And, and, I, and I can take you back, literally, and I hear Gary do this. Gary can tell you, he, he takes you back to the first client he had. And we, we all can, I remember my first listing, oh my gosh. Like I, I got it and then I got in the Grand Am and I rolled down the windows and I like turned up the music and there was Bon Jovi and we were jamming and like I, I'm never gonna forget it. If you haven't had that feeling yet, you'll never forget it either. And for me, once I got it, I wanted it every single day. And then the only thing a mega agent is, like you look up at like a Jeff Glover, that's somebody who wants to have that feeling four times every day, <laughs> right? And, and a, or, a, or a Ben or a Chris Wayne, like, or, or Gubernick, these amazing people. And there's, a, there's a, a simple, elegant energy from real estate that we all get. And um, I don't know, I think that's the source. And I think that the more you tap into it, the bigger your life's going to get. So can you give us a little bit of a window into what it's like to work with Gary? So I have been in Gary's top 100. He is, um, and everybody can laugh at me as much as they want, but like he's Mr. Wizard. He's magical. He is the Kool-Aid. He's the source. Like I am head deep in the Kool-Aid pond at Keller clearly, but like for people who aren't or have never been in close proximity with him, why is it in Gary that we trust? What is it so, you know, that makes him who he is and makes the company what it is? Oh, I, it's so hard to, to try to encapsulate that for me. I, I think number one, he's the youngest thinker that I know, meaning he, 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 he thinks really fresh about everything. He doesn't operate with any dogma, meaning he's willing to say, just because we did it that way, doesn't mean that's the way we're going to do it. And he's willing to look at any new fresh idea. He also is amazingly adept at listening to all different viewpoints and then finding the gaps within those points. He also has an amazing ability to, to look back at this long history in residential real estate, and all of the models and everything, and then get really clear on where he's going. And he tends to think and look out much further than I have the ability to do. And I'm really drawn to all of that. And uh, working with him every day is, is he asks a lot of questions. He spends far more time listening than he does talking. He listens intently and he listens as offense, I found. And that's really unique because it's a skill that I don't have yet that I'm really trying to develop. Most of us speak in offense. He listens as offense, meaning the time he spends listening literally is the most important part of his conversations because he's assimilating so much information. And most of us think about the words we're going to say. I don't think he does that. I think he listens to what other people are saying. And I find that really refreshing. I'm so glad that you came on today. And again, our show, you know, we like to really get at the stuff behind the stuff. And so we talk about some weirder and deeper things, but there's a lot of questions and it's not just Keller. This comes up with every big box brokerage that's out there about authenticity behind what people are saying and doing. And what I really hope that people hear when they listen to you is the passion and the fire and the love behind your voice for the agent community and the business. And the fact that there's absolutely no way that we can't say that we have authenticity as a company with people like you leading it. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, look, 
like I said, right, I think of it as this giant garden and some of it is beautiful and others of it probably isn't. So I can't say that there's authenticity everywhere. I can say this, that every big company and our company is a relatively small one in one way. We're a little family owned business in Austin, Texas. Like that, that's it. And whether it's Gary or, or his wife, Mary, or his son, John, or, or Josh, or, or, or Ellen, or any of the people on our executive team, we honor authenticity and we honor transparency above all else. That's the key here. Like I, I, there's a, there was an old saying that leaders make problems go away. And I think that's patently absurd. I think leaders shine giant lights on problems in complete transparency and then force solutions that work for everyone. And right now we look up and we have civil unrest and we have a pandemic and we have disruption in the technology of our space and we still have an element of the broker wars happening, which I find repulsive. Anyway, we have all of these things. This is the moment to get your giant spotlights out, shine transparency and force solutions. Okay, this is a really weird one, um, but, and, and this has nothing to do with the four of us, but I do have these conversations sometimes with people. And, and this is a thing, you know, we know that there's sometimes a disconnect between the ivory tower where the colonel is yelling the orders at the boots on the ground, right? So what happens to people that have been within the organization and haven't had a great experience for one reason or another? You know, what would you say to them? Do you think that things are, changing have changed you know what happens to those people that leave and you know want to fly away from kw as far and as fast as they can you know what as long as they fly away from kw and they go and they help people and they're kind to other realtors then i hope they fly as high and as far as they can that said if you had a bad experience at any brokerage house regardless of whether it's one that i work at or not i'd like to take personal responsibility and say i'm sorry because here's the thing, there was nothing stopping me from calling you at any brokerage house and making sure you were getting the answers and everything you needed. And I think anytime you have an industry of a million and a half people or whatever we are at this moment, there's going to be people in it that get marginalized. And there's not any one of us that can throw the industry on our back and run up the mountain. We're all going to have to do it together. And we all play a part in it. So number one, if you had a bad experience, I'm really sorry. Like I really am. And number two, if you're still in the industry, who can you call today and ask if they're having a bad experience? And it might not be at the brokerage house you're at. And by the way, more often than not, it probably is. Call the people you're in business with right now. And I think that's how we change it. I love that. Thank you for your transparency on all of this. I get those calls all the time, by the way. I talk to people who say, oh, I used to be with so-and-so, or I'm with such-and-such -such now, or I'm so much happier. And I, I can't tell you how happy I am for all those people. I think it's great. And I talk to people who come from other companies to KW, and they're happy here, and I think that's great. I talk to people that come from here and go somewhere else. I look up and I ask the question, who do I need to show up tomorrow such that that doesn't happen again? And who do I need to show up as tomorrow such that at the end of the day, everyone wants to wear the red and the white? That's just who I am, and that, that's what I believe in. And I think there's a lot of different ways to impact our industry positively. And it won't be any one brand that does it. And the other thing that I hear from people sometimes, and I guess I'm just going for it right now, um, is that it's always the same people. Like it's always, and we love them. We've had them on our show. We like have spent 20 years plus of our lives idolizing them and modeling after them. But 
it's always the Ben's and it's always the Cody's and it's always the Kristen's and you know, so like, will Keller ever make room for a new crop of people to come forth and oh. the organization? Well, you probably remember the crop before that. You've been here, what, what did you say, 18 years, give or take? Yeah. Okay, so you remember the Mike Mendozas and the CC Sells and the Busy Blondes and these giants who, I remember sitting in the audience, oh my gosh, I sat in the audience and I heard Mike Mendoza on stage. And he had made $500,000 in GCI in 12 months. I, I sat in that audience, I was thinking $500,000. And afterwards, and I saw, I did one of those things where you run up in the hallway and you're like, oh my gosh, can I just ask you one question? And he was like, sure. I was, I couldn't, I was so nervous. I go, did you really, did you really make $500,000? Like I never fathomed that much money. And he said, and that was the number one agent at KW. The generation now, you look up, I think Ben and Chris, what did they do, like 16 million in GCI? They crossed that barrier last month. They did what they did last year in June. They made it, right? And so, yeah, I think that there's always new faces coming. And I also think that the faces that are there are still doing things that the industry has never seen before. And everybody in life gets to pick your own profits, meaning who you're going to listen to. Gary says that all the time. It's really difficult right now to say I'm going to listen to somebody else not succeeding at a level like that. What is Cody in a hundred plus locations and Ben and Chris are doing what they're doing and everyone's doing what they're doing. But yeah, I come to mega camp this year. I think you'll see a lot of new faces. Um, Seychelle was speaking in masterminds and like I, like my brain exploded out of my skull listening to her talk about doing 17 or $18 million in, in, GCI, like well being, a, by the way, well being a regional tech trainer and doing like, you know how she is, she's somehow able to do like 9,000 things and be, being an empire builder at the same time, like all of this stuff. But I look up and I see a lot of new faces. I see Kimberly Meserve, if you, if you haven't followed her yet, she's crushing it. By the way, I would, Nick Baldwin and Tristan, I know that they don't seem like road and green new faces, but you're talking about in the last couple of years and these Facebook groups now, 120,000 people in it, like, I don't know. I look up and I see fresh young stories all over the industry. And here's what I think is the coolest. They're not just all coming from younger people. Some of the greatest innovation are coming from those people that have been in the industry the longest. If you have people in your office that have been in the business 20 or 30 years that you're somehow walking past thinking you're making a giant mistake. They've seen every market. I was sitting with Mo the other day and you just, you're reminded there's no part of life that this woman hasn't experienced and can't mentor you through. Yeah, Althea Osborne did the same thing. She raised her hand. You, you want to know what the next market's going to be like? How about you ask somebody that's lived through five shifts? It's amazing. You should call the oldest person in your board right now and take them out for virtual coffee. I promise you they can tell you something you don't know. I love that. It's an awesome idea. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This is one of my favorite parts about this show so far has been like the honesty and transparency of these people that like we've had up on a pedestal our whole lives and our careers and they come here and they share just amazing stuff with us. So thank you for your time and your transparency and for letting us ask you some off the book questions too. Well, it was an honor to be here, but can I ask you guys one question? Absolutely. So there's all kinds of podcasts, but there's very few of them that are getting the, 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 the listeners that you are. And you guys, I mean, you're talking about the hockey sticker. What do you think you're doing that's connecting so deeply with so many people? Uh, 
I think it's the real talk. I think it's the fact that Jeff Cohn comes on our show and talks about like his interpersonal um, demons and why they make him so successful and why they make him struggle in his marriage and all this, you know, like, I think that it's, um, people are yearning for more of an authentic relationship now, as opposed to just listening to those people that we love talk from stage kind of at us. Um, I don't know. I think it's all the incredible guests that we've had that have graced us with their presence. That's been amazing. Yeah, I would add probably um, coming from a place of contribution and genuinely helping other agents is not something that is prevalent in our, in our industry and we're trying to change that. And so I think that people flock to that because it's a different, it's different from everybody else. I think that's awesome. I, I met Jeff years and years ago and um, I, I went to one of his, you know, I paid just like everyone else, right? Like I, I wanted to go learn his secrets too. And I was sitting there and he actually started off talking about some of his interpersonal challenges before, before he got into how everyone in the room can get rich, which he, he showed us that part. But I thought it was a really unique way to do it because everyone that, that our industry is really interesting, right? We have, we have this small group of people and they almost transcend and we listen to them. But the truth is, there's as much to learn from everybody in it. And so few people actually get the spotlight by which to do it. And then you find out really quickly that they're people just like everybody else. And Gary says that all the time, that this idea that the path of the business owner mirrors their personal growth, and you can really look up at any given time and check who you are as a person against where your company is, it probably gives you a really good indication of where you're going over the next 12 months to 24 months. Yeah, I mean, we love the agent community just like you love the agent community. All four of us in some way are speakers or teachers or coaches in our own spaces. And, um, you know, we just really, it didn't even start like this. We just started as four friends that just wanted to spend more time with each other. But we just really love um, having a platform where we can tell people the real stuff and the real struggles that go on in being a business owner and being a mom or a husband and a wife and all these different things. And um, I think people like hearing the truth. Yeah, the realness. Yeah. With, people see tremendous success as, you know, for what it is, success, but they don't see the tremendous sacrifice behind it and what goes into it to make all of those things happen. And I think the transparency um, really is helpful for people and, and watching people attain great success and knowing that they can do it themselves, I think is, um, is huge for people. Well, for me, like I see success as perfect, right? So like it has been very um, disconnecting sometimes for me to figure out how to compare my life against these people who I feel like are perfect. Like you said, their check engine light is not on. They look perfect all the time. Um, and so no matter how successful I feel, it doesn't feel successful enough because I'm not perfect. So it's been a really cool, like heart opening, eye opening experience to talk to people who are so wild, you know, 16, $17 million a year in GCI. And they're still saying, I've got mess. I've got stuff. I've got life. So, yeah. We all, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I, you know, you never want to show that you're eating a box of donuts by yourself in an office, but let's just say we all have life happening. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so grateful. We so appreciate your time and yeah. it means so much to us. And it will mean so many to many people that you 
graced us with your time. So thank you, Jason. Okay, thanks you guys. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, bye. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.